SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Good evening, everybody. 21st day of May. Three to four nights for me until payday. Sajabula. And I don't say that lightly because I know it's an incredibly difficult period for South Africans and I'm still honouring my obligation as I had mentioned a couple of months ago that I'll be making sizable contributions because I know this is a time to share. As Carolyn Stan had said yesterday, those who have have an obligation now to share and I would still employ you. Just because we're on level four and people have somewhat regained parts of their freedoms of movement, it doesn't at all mean that this nation is free from the troubles and perils that have been occasioned the world over as a result result of COVID-19. And for those of you who are the 15th employees who get paid on the 20th, 25th, 27th, please, please, please take something and give to somebody. You have absolutely no idea how far your, what you think is a small contribution to the person who receives it may go quite a long way. This is made despite the suggestions I'd made yesterday about charity. And I'm not going to reinforce it because right now it is about making sure that our fellow citizens, our brothers and sisters, our mothers, our children are all to the extent possible, well-fed and well-looked after in the times of COVID. Bayete with the song Amadlozi is very important because we shall now be having a conversation with uh, Mr. Obrimajitlu, Gogo Obrimajitlu, who's a political analyst and traditional healer for the purposes of engaging truly what it is that this realm of African science, if you like, African knowledge system, African epistemologies can lend for the purposes of fighting this terrible, terrible pandemic that has gripped the world over. And with that, and without further ado, good evening to you, Babu Majitli. Thank you so much for your time. Excellent. You had something to say to me before we went on air, and I thought you should probably just say it out loud because it really made me feel good. And I would imagine these are the kinds of stories somebody like me and many in my family might want and enjoy hearing. Well, the first time I heard you, I think you had just started on SFM. And I heard that your surname, Guma And you said, Ovela, Kukoman. I know you young people now call it Ekoman. If you call it Tina, Tiwa, Kukoman. Divele, whom not that? Kumakagala, Simkambalali, Netska, Maikamalalaliam. Okay. Excellent. I get, um, I then knew immediately. Yes that you must be related to a man who was a great friend of mine, Uroni Mabeke. Uroni Mabeke was an activist with us in the 80s and the early 90s um, in, a, in an organization that was known as NUSA, the National Education Union of South Africa. And it was an organization that actually uh, was illegal in terms of the laws of the country then because teachers were not allowed to organize themselves. Now, what made me think again that you must be related? I listened to how you speak the Queen's language. <laughs> and uh, he, he used to speak the, the Queen's language quite well. And he would say to me in Isikosa, uh, the reason I like you, Gwetin, is that you are Kum Shanshengam. But also, he, he was well-dressed. He's a man who not only loved ideas, um, but liked 
looking good and sounding good. And most importantly, uh, he was committed to academic excellence. But the Mabeto family is important to me in another respect. Mm. Um, in June 1986, we got information that uh, the then president of the country, P.W. Porter, would uh, extend the state of emergency. And we all took a decision as activists that when the special branch came to arrest us, we would not avail ourselves for re-detention or detention. In other words, we would go on the run. In my case, I was on the run for four years. And what it meant every day at the end of my working day, sometimes I did not know where I would sleep that night. Now, one of the families that gave me shelter was the Mabeke family in Maryland. Now, why that is remarkable is that Mr. Mabeke, Utatawalamzi, was a police officer. Mm. Now, imagine this. A police officer during apartheid in 1986 uh, in a country, a South Africa, which was going through an interactionary climate, a police officer gives shelter to an activist, the police, the special branch, and the army. That is me, we're looking for. Which meant this man, Dadumabek, decided that he would put his job and life on the line. Because if they had found me there, mm. can you imagine what the apartheid government would have done to him? I can't. As an example to other police officers. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this family is very special to me. And I was thinking this morning that I need to do something to tell them that to this day, I remain thankful for what they did for me uh, during that state of emergence of 1986. The Mabedo family is listening, and this acknowledgement coming from you, I dare say on their behalf, young as I am, it is more than enough. We certainly thank you for this wonderful acknowledgement and really this posthumous recognition of both Ronald Mlungisi Mabedo as well as Thank you so much. Let's now advance the conversation, advancing African knowledge systems, because I think parts of the stories that you have told us will invariably reflect on that because you are talking to us about having to thank the family. I don't imagine you didn't do it at the time, but it's still so important for you to be so connected to that day or that period period in June 1986 and the connection you would invariably feel with the late Dr. Mabeza speaks to the conversation we have to have. How do we advance African knowledge systems, the value of traditional African medicines, the value of African spirituality, our connectedness with for many deities as ancestors and the equivalent of God in the Christian and Islamic sense, Allah, Amata. How do we engage this core feature of who we are as African people in the fight against COVID-19. I'm asking this question broad and long because I want to get as many people to participate in the conversation. And to the extent there are those who wish to, please do so. 0891-104-207. What's a voice note? It's 0614-104-107. Advancing African knowledge systems, engaging who we are as a people in the fight against COVID-19. African traditional medicines, African spirituality, and anything that may come 
around those parameters. So without a prompt, Babu Gogo, talk to us really the value of this. What, what, what does it mean to you? Okay, it appears as though Babu Majiku is somehow cut off from the conversation. When we ask Brafini, whilst we try and organize his I'm mind. I'm back. Okay, you are back. You are back indeed. Okay, do you just want to start again your response? Because I, I don't want to cut it from, or I don't want to continue from where you came back on because we've missed a certain part of it. Well, I think the first thing we need to say, Songa, is that uh, today's discussion is only the beginning. We, we are not going to finish today. Um, and one of the things you say in asking this question relates to knowing who we are. And knowing who we are is also about knowing who we were. My interest is not only in African indigenous knowledge systems, mm-hmm. but is in indigenous knowledge in general, whether you're talking about the Native Americans of North America, uh, whether you're talking about the Aborigines, the Maoris, and other peoples of the world who are regarded as the first people, mm-hmm. uh, whether you're talking about the so-called Khoisan people of this country, or whether you're talking about Africans on this continent. It is something that um, I find interesting because there is a lot that is common um, about this indigenous knowledge wherever you are in the world. Now, of course, let me start in North America. You have a tribe there, Native American tribe called the Blackfoot. And they have a saying that I like very much, a proverb that I like very much. They say, look to the mountain." And what they mean by that is that for you to get to the mountain, you must go on a path, you must travel. You reach the mountain and you reach the top of the mountain. When you look back, you will see the path that you have traveled, that is your past, and everything that you have learned as you traveled this path. And the equivalent in Isikosa would be Inyati Buzokabapambili, something to that effect? Exactly. Now you are at the top of the mountain. The the top of the mountain represents your present. You look ahead, what you see on the horizon. In front of you is your future. And that is what indigenous knowledge systems are saying we should do. Because first of all, not everyone is going to use the same path to get to the top of the same mountain. Mm. So, so all of us have the desire to get to the top of this mountain, but not all of us will use the same path. And African indigenous knowledge system and, and indigenous knowledge systems elsewhere teach us that there is more than one way of looking at the world. And therefore, there is more than one way of seeing. You and I are having this discussion today because a particular knowledge system, a knowledge system from the West which came with the colonizer, decided it was was superior to other knowledge systems. So the Western knowledge system decided it was superior to African indigenous knowledge system. As As a result of which today, 
so-called traditional healers, and I don't like this term traditional, traditional healer, but I'll come back to it. Mm. The, the, the indigenous healers are excluded from the fight against COVID-19 because those who must do the fighting are those whose knowledge comes from the dominant knowledge system from the West, which came with the colonizer. And to the extent that we must be included, our knowledge system, the African knowledge system, must be subordinated to the Western knowledge system. The Western knowledge system, the superior knowledge system, must validate Mm, the mm. inferior knowledge system. Supposedly inferior, yes? Yes. So, So that's the first problem. And so what you see is that as we fight COVID-19, we, we, we rely almost exclusively, in fact, exclusively, of the knowledge system which came with the colonizer. And we exclude African indigenous knowledge systems because they are inferior in the eyes of the purveyors of the Western knowledge system. Can I ask you to pause it right there because that is a critical point at which I'm now going to invite the listeners to participate in this conversation and of course as you have just said that it takes me to one country which is an island state on the east coast in the Indian Ocean of the African continent that is Madagascar. What then do we make of what the Madagascan president is punting which has received some audience not all some audience within the African continent, and it is great, at least, but the recognition by Dr. Zolim Kiza to lend scientific support, however scientific in the context of this conversation, may, defi- may be defined in recognition or willing to recognize what the Madagascan president in the context of Artemisia, otherwise known as Lengane Omklonyane, in African systems for the purposes of fighting COVID-19. Those of you who are on the line, please do so. 0614-104-107. Voice note rules are not going to change. Less than one minute clear line please no talking no barking in the background Gogo Obrimachi who is a political analyst and a healer I'm leaving the word traditional out he is a healer period he's not qualified in any other sense other than to be a healer we do welcome your thoughts and comments right after this SAFM leading the conversation The Viewpoint 8 to 10 p.m. flipping conventional wisdom on its head do carry on then, uh, Gogo Majiko, in the context of what you had last said, the non-recognition of African systems, African ways of dealing with COVID-19 and the ostracization of those voices that are trying to establish some traction in the global agenda for African ways and systems. Well, maybe we should take a step or two back and, and, and look at why in the first place do you have a, a system of knowledge known as indigenous knowledge systems. The first question that arises is indigenous as compared to what? And who decided, who gave it that name, indigenous? In other words, who is doing the perceiving? Is it from the perception of the Afri- African? Is it from the vantage point of the African? that what we know is indigenous knowledge system. In my view, because of colonization, it is the colonial tradition 
that passes judgment on our knowledge system. And remember that the word indigenous uh, to, to, to the Westerner means things like traditional, things like aboriginal, things like black. Native. Native, and so on. It means things like non-scientific. And then you will have uh, dichotomies, manufactured dichotomies uh, between things such as orality and writing, Mm, 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 mm. rationality and superstition, science and indigeneity, or science and indigenous knowledge. So one assumes superiority over the that other. are being created. Where one assumes superiority over the other. Over yeah. the other. And where does this come from? Um, it comes from what I call the darker side of Western modernity. So the reason I object to being called a traditional healer is because I ask the question, traditional as opposed to what? traditional as opposed to Western modernity, and Western modernity pretends that it is universal. But secondly, it pretends that the non-European lacks and lacked the capacity to develop, to modernize. And the darker side of uh, Western modernity, coloniality, expressing itself as colonialism on this continent and elsewhere in the world, tells us something else. It it has a logic according to which the non-European is epistemologically inferior and ontologically inferior, meaning the non-European is ontologically inferior, meaning that he is either not human or if he is human, he is not as human as the European. And secondly, because he is not human, or is not as human as the European. The African or the non-European is epistemologically inferior, is incapable of thought. And if he is capable of thought, is not capable of the kind of thought that can produce knowledge. Therefore, what he says is based on superstition and not on rationality. Exactly. Whereas if you look at the richness of uh, what we call indigenous knowledge systems, first of all, it's a holistic system. Uh, It's a system that speaks to the whole human being, to your whole being as a person. Let me ask you to hold it right there, even for a moment. The last point is the African being, or the African system, so to speak, is whole. It is not compartmentalized or categorized. One is dependent on the other, therefore made whole. On that point, let me invite one of our loyal listeners, Babu Ngonda in Port Elizabeth, to contribute to this evening's discussion. Good evening, Dada. Thank you for calling. Pugane. Yes, sir. Pugane, Umnumzana u opramashiki wabangu koko. Tivela kokba amstuse apiku kumshini and zinduza wandu. Apili atu awuma u koko amfumele akumshichinanguko. Anyway, there's nothing that I will disagree with Opre. Because I am informed that there are many epistemologists. Okay? Now it is quite silly for repeating 
to think that their epistemologies ontologically are superior. Okay, I suppose, Aubrey, this thing goes back to the time of Socrates, okay, and his uh, mentor Pluto, right? Because this the way Pluto defined indigenous knowledge system, or what I would call everyday knowledge system. He says this is akin to a man living in a cave. He goes out only at night because the sun will be too bright for him. Okay? So he, he, he has to go at night. So it's dark, right? Then school knowledge is what is light. That's silly. Pluto, 2,000 years ago. Now, what I'm going to share with you, I'm not sure so much of what I might mention, the doctor's name, maybe not. I spoke to him. He was on a program of um, he's an academic, a former MK soldier who has done military science, a doctor of anthropology, um, maybe I should not. But he then convinces me about Umshonyane. He says, Umshonyane, when you hit it, Ufu Tafongeso, Uti, Umshonyane, Ufu Tawako, Umshonyane, Ulala, Lazarus. Because it can withstand hot temperatures. Okay? Mm. Secondly, I print the article, Kautaram Nebuho, as visited with the Okalik or Lemon, eh, Tarantara Summit, Ustiban Sumpuvi, Ubizu Kubo Alisin, Songezo, Iai Nyang, Ikorola. Okay? So, I'm saying this thing because he mentioned it, right? So, I suppose the testing will be. And so on, so I think we need to stop relying on the Western epistemology because whenever I go to the Gamma Forest and spend some time there, I'll see scientists from Japan, from China. What the heck are they doing? We seem to have lost Babungonde. A thousand apologies for that, but I think just to summarize his introduction, he was very thankful that Mr. Obrimajitli has now become a healer and assumed equally the title of Gogo Majitli. Equally, whilst he has done that, he appreciates the fact that he is conversant in his political analysis and his healing capacities, both in his native language and in English. And he was particularly thankful that he was doing so now in English so that you can, if you like, bring in a broader audience for the purposes of discussion. He was also talking about the fact that he spoke to a known person, if you were to give us the name, about the healing properties of the Buhu plant as well as Artemisia in the fight of COVID-19. He signaled off before he was cut off the fact that the proof of all of these things he has been told by this gentleman lies in the testing and time. So do you want to continue for where, from what he has said that you understood Gogo Majid? Well, w- w- what I want to say is that um, the fact that you have a government, post-apartheid government, which has no place for indigenous knowledge and therefore indigenous ways of healing, arises because of what I call epistemic racism. So epistemic racism, as I've indicated, argues, or is based on the logic uh, that one knowledge system is superior to another. And of course, the inferior is the African indigenous knowledge system. And unfortunately, our leaders 
uh, themselves have become victims of epistemic racism. So in a way, the disease they suffer from is epistemic obedience or servility. When what we need today in order to benefit uh, from all forms of knowledge available to us is epistemic disobedience. And by epistemic disobedience, amongst other things, I mean we must move the center away from the North and from Europe. And therefore, Western epistemology cannot be the center on the African continent. Now, when it comes to remedies like Buhu or Umflonyan, have you noticed, Songhez, that every time you raise um, the possibility that Umflonyan or Buhu and other things can offer symptomatic relief? Okay, some suffice to say may even offer a cure. What you are told is that you must go through um, some scientific process to prove your claim to be true. Yes. The question is, who's doing the judging? It is the Western knowledge system judging the African indigenous knowledge system. Let's engage with our listeners. I get that point. And perhaps before I do, this is just for my composure and that of the team. There's a caller who has just called, open quote, I'm sick of you bloody blacks. Are you not tired of always attacking and hitting colonialists? To whoever you are, listen to me and do so very carefully. It is precisely for that attitude that pervades our space, our society, on this continent that is ours, that we will have these conversations. We cannot and will not be tired of affirming who we are the way we wish to do so, using our voices and experiences on a public platform that is designed to advance, among other things, the validation of Africans using African resources. Now, it is a pity you are not ballsy enough, so to speak, to say that to me. You say so to my producer and then continue to hang the phone up, knowing very well that your word will be final in that context. I dare challenge you. If you are so brazen enough to say that to my producer and you are so beholden to your thoughts and words, to say exactly what you said to my producer to me now on air and we will engage. Own up to your words. Own up to your experience. Own up to your privilege. Own up to your insecurities, moreover, because this did not mention your name. It didn't even mention your race. We are talking about affirming Africanness. Let's go to the voice notes, please. I beg your pardon for those listeners who had to listen to that. Good evening, Songhezo. I can really relate to what the Dada is saying there because similar story happened. My little sister, when she was young, um, she was not like eating instant nobis like Amasi and everything. But then you know, my mom took her here to Mount Freya to my grandmother. And then you know, my grandmother, instead of going to a clinic, hospital, whatever, to get help, but I was because she was not eating. I'm sorry, And then, like, she was given this other, you know, Eliezer Til, and then she was able to eat. Like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it because I didn't believe in this African stuff. So I can really relate to what the gentleman they're saying. Thank you very much and have a great day. Songhezo, good evening. This is Maurice. 
from Nelsprite. Mine is simple. Does uh, African medicine need uh, to be tested? I mean, scientifically tested. And if so, for whom it is tested? Because over the years, there hasn't been any uh, testing of any concoction, you know, of the indigenous Africans. So why all of a sudden it needs to go through those processes? Thank you. Hashtag the viewpoint. A very good evening to you, Songezo, and your guest, Dr. Machiko. I'd like to thank them about being bravery. Since apartheid, they've been fighting this thing that Africans must remain Africans. And we, now we were forced to, to be Western. Even now, during uh, this coronavirus days, they were not allowed to work. So we were forced to use the Western culture. Thank you very much that they've pushed up until now we are allowed to use our African herbs. So I want to say big up to you. Make sure that we are united like that, guys. We are proud of you. This is also too deep in Pitama respect. Clearly, the African voice, however suppressed it might have been in other spaces, to the extent that this platform offers them their opportunity to express their views, there's certainly something that is being done right by at least having this conversation, irrespective of some may be uncomfortable as a result. But clearly there is space yet for Africans to be African. Well, Sangezo, let me go back to your um, uh, call-out did not come on air, who uh, heaped uh, praise on us. Um, You might have heard of the paradox of colonialism, something that Malidoma Petrisom talks about. Uh, He is a scholar in his own right, and he's a healer from Burkina Faso. So after studying in the U.S. with his PhDs, he goes home, and he tells the elders about all the things he has learned, including things about coloniality and decoloniality. Now, these elders are not educated um, according to Westerners. And they listen to him. And when he finishes, one of them says, you have a terminal disease. And he panics because he thought he had a terminal disease like cancer or something else. And so he asks them what they mean. And they say to him, your terminal disease is that you can read and write. And in this particular form, it is a terminal disease because the knowledge you have shared with us, you have showed us that you have acquired the kind of knowledge that, that blocks true knowledge. And so that's the thing, that one of the reasons um, healers and African indigenous knowledge are not, be rely, are not being relied upon as we fight COVID-19 is because too many of our leaders have a terminal disease the terminal disease of reading and writing, of having acquired only the kind of knowledge that blocks true knowledge. And therefore, one of the things that has been blocked is African indigenous knowledge. We are having this discussion today 
because Africa and Africans and indigenous people around the world are saying, you cannot find solutions. You cannot seek solutions from the same knowledge system that has caused the problem. It is because of that yearning to seek and find solutions in our indigenous knowledge that we are having this discussion today. Appreciate that. Finally, because this does, in essence, speak to the life and times of Baba Kridomato, Kridomuto, I beg your pardon. What would you say of that life that would, in the context of hearing this conversation, would almost feel a sense of relief and fulfillment because Africans are talking? It's what he fought for. It's what essentially he died for. What would you say posthumously I, I, to the I great think- name? Uh, looking at us now, he is smiling. He is happy that we are having these discussions about African indigenous knowledge because he spent his life trying to interest us in this kind of knowledge. And by the time he left us, he had not succeeded. I suspect he would say, we are doing good, but we still have a long way to travel. Remember, one of the weapons available to Western systems of knowledge as they manifest, amongst others, through our own universities is passive resistance to the idea of indigenous knowledge systems. And passive resistance takes the form of pretending that you you are prepared to mainstream them, to integrate them, and which is another concept I, I'm, I'm opposed to. The idea that the legitimacy of African indigenous knowledge systems lies in them being integrated into Western, Western forms of knowing. But maybe let me end by addressing an important false dichotomy. Yes. African indigenous knowledge systems, systems have many elements. And two of the most important is the fact that Firstly, African indigenous knowledge systems are empirical and cognitive. So if you look at those two, you can then talk about the range of of knowing and searching for knowledge that is available to you if you use the tool of African indigenous knowledge system. You know, as you say that, it takes me back to exactly why there are so many contestations on many issues in Africa, because it is empirical and cognitive. It creates a wider scope. And that scope being wide, Majid will have his own empirical and cognitive perspective on the same subject matter, and Mabeta will have his. And those two views, not necessarily irreconcilable, would be so different because the experiences are different and the intercessionary ways in which they acquired that information would be different. It might appear at first glance that they are contradictory, but upon engagement and deep analysis, you will find that they ultimately do find each other. Right. Uh, For two reasons. Uh, if I may close on this. Firstly, um, because African indigenous knowledge systems and indigenous knowledge systems in general place the community at the center, when you come into the process of 
seeking and searching and producing knowledge. That is a collective endeavor. And in that collective endeavor, no one is inferior or superior. Absolutely. Knowledge production is a collective thing. And it's an ongoing thing. And secondly, it is empirical in another sense. How do we know that Umsonyana can offer symptomatic relief? We know because there is empirical evidence of thousands and thousands of years to that effect. Fantastic. Here's a student of yours, former student of yours, having this to say, listening to this conversation. Good evening, SA family. My name is Yolanda, uh, Mr. Aubrey Majiku. used to be my teacher. He's my former teacher. He used to teach at um, St. Matthew's Roman Catholic School in, in Rockville, in Soweto. He used to teach me maths and science. Uh, I would like to greet you, Mr. Majik. I don't know whether you, you remember me or not, but uh, I know uh, you, and I'm, I'm sure if you can see me, you will know uh, me. Let me take a guess. Is that the Yolanda from Protea? You're a great teacher. Um, I'm wishing you all the yes. best. And good luck to everything that you do. Thank you. I, I know exactly who that is, uh, Sanders. Excellent. It is indeed Yolanda from Protea. She has confirmed as much. Baba Majik, thank you so much for your time. The conversation continues. The legacy of Baba Krido Mutwa shall most certainly continue in these conversations, more especially when they hold uncomfortable those who are faceless, those who are voiceless, those who think they are, but are not.